You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. Look at that. What up? Voila. What are you guys uh, doing so early in the morning? Well, Andrew, I'm, I'm, I'm prepared to meet our new uh, owners of our, our brokerage. Oh, I didn't know that happened. Good for you guys. So I had to look. No, no, not our, yours too. We were sold from Remax Integra to the big boy, the Remax LLC. Oh, there. it's ruled by the, the tax or the stockholders now. Yeah, yeah. So you, gotta you can tell I get I get really involved in the politics of the business. I uh, got my thumb right on the heartbeat of that stuff. You totally, totally are. You know, that's good. Well, what uh, what are they giving you guys? Uh, nice uh, finger sandwiches and a little champagne, or what are they doing? Yeah, I think uh, I don't know. I think I'm getting in more than what everyone else is getting. That's all I know. I'm kidding. <laughs> hey, anyways, you guys were you guys were making fun of me last week. Now I got my voice back, and uh, I was wondering, you know, how was life over there? This is what I was doing. Oh, this photo. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, how's that market over there? That, uh, I'd like to sell a couple on that hill. Yeah, it would be nice. That was in um, uh, the Portofino area. The, the hotels there are like a thousand euros a night. The village only has 400 people, but like Winston Churchill, uh, Kaiser, the German uh, empire, they've all been there, all the movie stars. It's amazing. I didn't get to stay in Portofino, but I stayed nearby and I took the, the ferry over and it was something else. What, uh, so what's the, the conversion rate on uh, the Euro? Uh, it's probably, it's one, two to one right now. So what? One twenty dollar to uh, one euro. So it'd be twelve hundred bucks a night for a hotel there, then. Yeah. See, I was good at the math there, Chris. It was almost like I have a calculator built into my head. Mm -hmm. I'm glad it was only that one too. Hey, what if it was a dollar one twenty three? What would you say that? Twelve hundred thirty dollars a night. Oh yes. <laughs> what if you're in Mexico and it's eighteen pesos to a dollar? I always did uh, five dollars, hundred peso. That's how I thought it was. Gotta round it up. There you go. Gotta include tips. So, market happenings. I still yeah. think, Mister Prasky, we are it's slowing a little. But I think, yeah. I think, it's more about summer and traveling than yep. other stuff. That's my opinion. Yours. I agree. I think that we're in a back into a more cyclical, um, you know, season where we're seeing the uh, the people get busy with kids, vacations, time off, you know, working on the yard. We're now working on the drought uh, restrictions. I heard uh, that for our new construction, I, I I would feel horrible for our landscaping division because there's probably thirty or forty landscape jobs that are still trying to get done from last year, and now the those of you that haven't heard, the DNR kind of put out a potential shot across the bow that they may be restricting um, installation of new sod because it requires so much water. And so, like, just wait till next year. And there's so many families with kids and dogs and and that are like, 
you know, shoot, why didn't we do it early in the spring? And, you know, it, it came down to where there's lots of different reasons why. Usually it's weather related. Um, sometimes the, uh, the um, you know, with new construction too, the priority of the, the house that has to close tomorrow um, precedes those that have already been closed. So they don't want to escrow those houses, for an example. So the exterior painters and all the other projects, like if you closed in January, um, they're getting the new house across the street done first so they can close it without escrow. And then they come across the street and finish yours that is escrowed. So interesting. I know a lot of people don't understand how that works, but it is one of the, the there's pros and cons to closing in the winter. Um, you know, even though I'm totally off topic here, that's one of the, probably the cons, but. Yeah. But I'll tell you, the other thing is they're probably really lucky that they don't have their grass in because their water bill would have been skyrocketed this year. And uh, I, I'm lucky that I, I get to use the lake. I mean, so my, my uh, water or my grass is very nice, but uh, yeah. the lake levels. I mean, my gosh, I've got more beach now than uh, yeah. they've ever had. I got a buddy of mine that lived on that street. I mean, for 50 years, and um, he's never seen it uh, that that much beach that we have now. So that's it's pretty, it's pretty crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. So, hey, I got something. We've been talking about uh, love letters a lot in uh, recent broadcasts. I read this article that Oregon banned, they're banning love letters. So I got a little video we're gonna play and I want you guys to react to it. You've tried to buy a house lately. You know that it is not easy right now at all. Economists say that we've reached a fever pitch for home buying, a fever pitch, whatever that means. Homes though, I can tell you are selling fast. Buyers are putting in offer after offer only to lose out to somebody else. They're doing anything they can to get an edge. They're waiving inspections and appraisals. They're offering tens of thousand dollars over asking, sometimes hundreds of thousand dollars over the asking price. And there's this long standing practice of writing a buyer love letter. That is when you write this heartfelt letter to the seller and you tell them how much you love the home. Oh, I'm gonna, my kids are gonna grow up here. It's gonna be amazing. We're gonna play in the yard. I'm gonna put in a tire swing. We're gonna host holiday dinners in this big open kitchen. We can't wait to raise our, you know, that kind of thing. And sometimes the owners love that sort of stuff. They're inspired to sell the home to, I guess, quote unquote, a wholesome family instead of maybe an investment firm or something. But now you can't do that anymore in Oregon. A new law prohibits sellers from accepting, accepting these love letters as part of an offer. It's because they say it could reveal things about the buyers that could cause discrimination. Sellers aren't allowed to. <laughs> Well, shocker. <laughs> Andy's going to be happy about this. No, no I, let, me, let me. Okay, so I've, I just dealt with multiple offers all last week where I did get some what I call love letters that came in with the files. And I said, as long as your love letter, and I'll say this to the agents, I'll say, rewrite your love letter so that there's no way possible that there could be any discriminatory or, you know, uh, weighed opinion on your buyer other than fact. Like, how solid they are financially, what kind of, they have a good job, um, that they're, you know, moving into the area because of their job, the motivation behind the move. As soon as you look at a married couple, now your marital status, you know, kid status, sexual orientation, there's all these things that are protected classes under the discriminatory, um, you know, uh, laws that protect everybody that, you know, let's say you get somebody that's a little, you know, in the, the biased corner of, well, I want to sell it to somebody that looks like me. 
whatever me looks like, right? And it, they'll fit in better here. That's where I, I tell you, man, you just, it's wrong. And it's- okay. so, so what happens when you have uh, Andy and Lisa Prasky purchasing the house? Do you have to cross out your name too now? Um, I should, I, to be totally honest with you, yeah, I think you should. Um, I think that it should say the buyers, the buyers. I mean, you shouldn't have to be embarrassed that you're who you are. Secondly, put Mr. and Mrs. That that shows that you're, you know, um, in a category. You're putting yourself into that category. It's gender specific. And I'm not. I'm not a kook. Don't get me wrong. I just want to be fair where we don't get in trouble. And yeah, you know, if you're not, what if you let someone else? Everyone can write a letter. Who cares? If you want to write a letter, write a letter. I would think it's discriminatory to not allow a letter in and let someone else's in. That would be, to me, discriminatory. But well, I, there, I think you, this other part is, I mean, it's If silly. a seller wants to accept the liability and get sued, um, good for them. Yeah, but if you- I just don't want to get sued. But so if I, we, I don't accept love letters. But if we think about this, so if it says Andy and Lisa Prasky, and we have to cross that out, and then on the approval letter, we have to cross your name out. We don't even know who the hell the, who, who's even getting approved now. And, you know, the, the simple fact is, and I don't do it, but my clients do all the time. Oh, they have two kids and they have whatever because they go look them up on Facebook. I mean, that's what our life is right now. You know what I mean? I mean, you get a no, name. no, no, don't get me wrong. You can do whatever you want behind closed doors. I'm just not going to allow anything to be conducted underneath my umbrella that's considered to be uh, a suable or a wrong practice. I just have been doing it too long where, and I'm not saying that you're saying you should either. I, I, I get where we're both coming from. There, there's in America, it's America. Do what you want to do. The problem that I'm saying is that let's say that there is a person of different orientation or different color or different whatever, and they see your picture now and they say, ooh, I'd rather go with this picture. And they're not even looking at the offer. They're just making it based on the love letter or they have a dog. So I only like people that are dog people or, oh my God, they're holding a cat ish. I don't want a cat person in my house. It just, it, for whatever reason, why would you put yourself out there to be thrown to the side? And that's all that love letter really does. Unless you're explaining the detail of the offer, like, hey, Andy and Lisa Prasky putting 40% down, um, conventional buyers, they have the cash equivalent that if the, you know, um, they can do a cash offer instead of financing if needed, um, let us know what works better for you guys, no inspection or whatever might be the case. That's all based on the offer. We can close quick if you want to. We can do this. That's making my offer look better. If it's a look better letter that says, hey, here's where we have some flexibility that's not black and white in writing, that's where I think the, the letter could could enhance your offer. I just don't think the, the, the couple holding the little puppy and the baby and that whatever right now, it, it just it just puts you into a... Well, every, every listing we have, we discuss, you can't discriminate against race, color, creed, religion, familial status, sexual orientation, all of that stuff that you, you can't do. It. I mean, and I, I think where the realtors become liable is if all of a sudden that says, hey, you know what? I think they have the cutest little kids and I want the cutest little kids in, in, in here. You know, and if it's from a, if it becomes uh, a racial thing or whatever, um, then at that point, it's our job to be able to say, hey, I can't be part of that. I can't be, I, and you can't. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think to tell someone they can't write a letter or write an offer the way they want to write an offer is ridiculous. I think it's like when we talk about um, uh, escalation clauses, people always ask me now because there's some realtors that won't allow it. Fine. But I'm kind of like, 
it's your offer. You can write whatever the heck you want. Yeah. You might not. Let, let, let me let me say this. If, if I have a client that wants to write a letter, understand I will present that letter with my offer, but it has nothing to do with the contract. Unless, unless. It's and, not an addendum. This is Andy and Lisa Prasky. Andy's been a, a top selling really real estate agent for 20 years. Uh, Lisa's got the good credit so that they can qualify. No, but I, you know what I mean? It's just kind of like when you do that, you know, Lisa's credit score is 810. That means a lot to me when I'm accepting the offer. And so now are we uh, you know, discriminatory because we want someone that's qualified versus no, unqualified? No, I, mean, I, I just think there's a better way to write that letter. The, the buyers have been in the industry for 20 years. The buyers are financially stable, have the capacity to do the following, can give you these options if you choose. Um, we currently wrote it this way because this is the way we prefer to do it. But you have these options as well. And, and it's the same letter. It's just it's more about the business than it is about who they are or their social life or their, you know. I just think there's a lot more people that are, are not uh, looking at it. Uh, people don't look at the, I don't think people look at these letters like they're picking someone because that's the, they want someone that's uh, a, a white person just like they are. I just don't think they are. Oh, I I, I, I'll be, people I'll, are, I'll people first are getting, tell you I've had to deal with that 25 times in my career. Really? I never oh, have. Yeah. Not once. Oh, yeah. Not once. They'll look at the name. Even if there's not a love letter, they'll look at the name and they'll go, well, geez, where are they from? I'm like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where they're from. Matter. Yeah. Can't discuss can't discuss that kind of stuff. So I know I'm kind of like I'm a bleeding heart here, but I'll tell you what, I just I really think the thing is is this. You know, um, my grandparents, great grandparents were immigrants and you know, and they had lots of challenges and faced things in their careers that, you know, I'm sure that there's current day stories that go with it too. And let's just let's make it about the deal, not about the people. Um, if there's only one buyer. You're right, Chris. People do the second. I've seen people sit right at the table, pulling up, you know, Mrs. or Mr. or Mr. Mr.'s um, Instagram and say, oh, and they, because the human nature is curious, who's buying our house? And and I'm more about who, what the, like, when we get multiple offers, I list the deals out with the real estate agent, the amount of down payment, the kind of financing, the offer that they made. Do they have a home inspection? Is there any appraisal gap guarantee? And I put those all number by number. They pick offer A, B, C, D, or E, and then we read the purchase agreement together. Okay, let me ask you this. Is it not true that everything can be perfect on that offer, everything can be perfect on that offer? If you don't know the intentions of that buyer later on, you could be screwed. And so that's why I think like the the little letter stating that, you know what, hey, we, we wanna be in this school district, you know, we, we're moving from this area, um, blah, 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 because that, that's, that's a, hey, they have to move in here. Not like, hey, I'm just going to get this thing. I'm going to tie it up. And contracts now, what, it doesn't even matter. Whatever, cancel them. Hey, what are you going to do about it? What you well, doing? you know, and, but Chris, think about this for a second. So now you've got the the seller that has worked on the garden for 50 years. And, the, oh, my, if I let children move in here, they'll destroy my garden and all my hard work for all these years. Yeah, and, we, uh, you know, and so somebody might make a decision based on them not wanting to ruin their garden. Or, you know, I just I just try to keep it vanilla. You know what I'm saying? That's all. I'm not saying don't give your customer an edge. I'm not saying when I'm writing a buyer's offer that I wouldn't necessarily give that or, you know, tell the agent when I'm presenting the offer, interesting concept. When you present an offer, a lot of times it's done verbally. And you don't Canceling. even. Yeah. yeah. Canceling the love letters, assuming that we're all bad people and we can't think for ourselves. That's what I think. And it's yeah. like, you know, I can distinguish that and be able to do that. And. 
if someone can't, then you can't work with them. I mean, it's just that simple. Because well, I'm you know, and I think that, you know, the, it comes down to where there, if, if if a love letter is written, I think that just like everything else, we've got thirty plus pages in our contracts. You come down to where there's no problem if you want to let the the seller or the buyer or whoever you're dealing with know some information that they may find valuable. Like, yes, this is this school district. Yes, this is walking distance to this. Um, whatever that item might be, that I think that's all okay. I just think that the second you put the personal spin on it, um, it's just to, to somehow give you an advantage. I think that's what they're concerned with. Is I, I'm amazed at how big, bigger of a deal this love letter is than than I expected. But let's go on to the next topic before we run out of time here. Fine. <laughs> What's a better rental property, a home or a condo slash townhome? And let's stick to the, the Twin City, Minnesota area for this. Okay, I know what I did. I bought a lot of rental properties and I 100% was going after uh, starter homes. And, um, and so I figured that, hey, those are easy to rent when the time is when it's down and then they're easy to sell when the time the market gets good. And I was wrong. I think I was wrong. I think the people who bought townhomes um, were much smarter than me because all of that, the outside maintenance, I, all you have to worry about is the inside stuff with, with having that townhouse. Um, and I, but I think I would have gone, uh, if I had to do it all over again and start all over again, I would have bought townhomes all day long. Yeah. The, you know, if, if the association allows the rentals, right. um, for non-owner occupants, which is something that a lot of people don't understand how that works, they think they can buy anything and rent anything. And, and I think that you'll, you'll find that a lot of these associations now have buckled down on, on the capacity or the, like no more than 10% or whatever their 18% or whatever their number is of units can be rentals and it's it's literally a first come first serve so you buy a townhouse and you're going to be over 20 percent, and you have to wait in line to get yours rented um you know that that's the only pride but once you're in you're in but um there was a lot of laxed rules during the uh the housing crisis of the early you know or 2008 2012 where they just said hey we'd rather have you rent it than lose it so go ahead and uh let's change the rules and get these rented get those payments made make your association dues payment as well, by the way, and then we'll support you. And so a lot of associations have recently reprieved. Um, you know, they, they were allowing that to happen. And then now they're kind of retracting back to the old ways of, well, let's get, you know, once this renter's out, we'd like to see you either, you know, owner occupy or sell it or, you know, cause the market's back. So. And they, the reason they do that too, for, for the listeners is that for financing, Mortgage companies don't want all investment properties because investment properties are easier to walk away from than your single family um, owner occupied. Yep. So there's a, there's a huge Yeah, with the con sorry, Chris, the uh, the condos, like you get into where there's smaller buildings where there's you know one or three or four units, and they won't finance it until it's fifty percent occupied. But what if there's three units? So until the first two guys or gals close. Um, you know, you don't really have a 50% occupancy. So it's almost like they all have to go in and pay cash or so they're harder to finance. So sometimes when you're a buyer of a property, um, and I've had a couple of my clients that have done this in the past where they put together a cash offer to get into the place and then they refinance it after they've made five payments and then uh, get the lower interest rate and put their money back where it belongs, you know? Mm -hmm. Cool. We're going to go into our practical value segment. How to improve your home value for under $5,000. I have a bunch of photos here. I want you guys to, to comment on them. 
First one, exterior paint. It's hard to get it done for $5,000, but I'm sure you could, uh, like they're doing, uh, freshen up the trim. Uh, I think that would be a, a real good thing. It's amazing, amazing what paint, uh, pricing on paint has done as well. If, if you can get it. We just yeah. last week yeah. had two properties that couldn't close because the escrows were not allowing for us not to close without escrow or with escrows. And the exterior paint, Sherwin-Williams was out. Um, they don't have any of this special, you know, AC215 combination blend, which is the base for exterior engineered wood. They didn't have the base. So when they bring the base in, then they can color it to anything you want. They have the color. They yeah. just didn't have the base. Yeah. So here we have all these houses that are getting built that can't, you know, get painted and they couldn't close. Thank God we found a couple jugs and uh, literally got the fronts of these houses painted because they come with warranties and the warranties are voided if you don't paint them properly. So, you know, we have to make sure to follow the rules so that we can give that uh, homeowner uh, a 25 year warranty on that product. So anyway, it's kind of interesting how the world's working right now. We're finally starting to catch up on some things and what, anyway, yeah, I was going to talk about lumber pricing coming down for the third time in a row here, but um, yeah, I think uh, patios, I think are fantastic. Um, again, I don't know if that's what I would be spending my money on. I'd be cleaning up the landscape more so uh, than adding uh, probably a, a patio. And I think uh, that 12 by 16 foot patio for two grand is uh, pretty, I, I want to hire that person. Well, I was going to say that's, that's doing it yourself. The materials will cost you that. But one thing that I would say to you, Chris, and I'd be curious to see what your thoughts are on this. Um, you know, a lot of people walk in the door and they say immediately, I want a walkout lot. And then they realize, well, by God, that puts with, with floor trusses and eight foot basement, all of a sudden my deck's 12 feet off the, off the backyard. And now I need a set of steps. Well, the steps are seven grand more than just the deck and the deck is 25,000. So now all of a sudden you've got $40,000 into an area that isn't even enclosed, isn't covered. It's still wide open to the elements. To go sit out there and have your your two times a year, um, your, I mean, and some people are different, don't get me wrong, but most people don't use it more than a couple times a year or for parties. And then versus doing a set of stairs, having a nice little grill patio that's like, a, you know, a, goes out six, eight feet so you have enough room for a grill and a set of stairs going down to a, a, a ground level patio. Now, lookout lots and what, what they call full basement lots start becoming more attractive because that main level of your house where you live now you extend it into the backyard versus having to go out on a deck and go down a rickety old set of stairs to get to. So I, I've been trying to talk people into, we've been buying more lookout lots. So it gives you kind of a combo of the both, but I'm telling you, man, unless you have a rambler and you have somebody living in the basement where they full-time live down there and need all that light, you still can get just as much light off of a lookout lot. And then you're only six or eight feet off the ground versus, you know, 12. And, and so many people never even live in the basement or don't go down there. Just like you're saying, going on the deck, you're, you're so right. That whole, um, I don't know if you know Cobblestone on the Lake. I worked with uh, Tradition Development on that. And um, there was 90% of them were going to be walkouts. It was an old gravel pit. 90% are going to be walkouts. And they flipped it to a traditional neighborhood design where 90% of them became uh, flat, flat lots and then they just did some landscaping to get some natural light into the basement. But it was to all to extend that main level out to the outside. And, and people yeah. did, obviously. So, yeah, they dig it. Book built in bookshelves. I think those are pretty neat. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you can change a room for sure with those. But again, if that's a custom cabinetry person, I mean, nowadays, I mean, that's going to be 
15 grand. You know, some of those can oh, get yeah. spending. Some maybe uh, shelving some. Uh, you know, well, look behind. Look, Chris, look right behind your head. You know, you got uh, a piece of furniture that you brought in there, right? That furniture is that actually built in? That it was actually a built-in from a house, and then we brought it in and painted it. Yeah. Yeah, it looks nice, and that's that's um, the cool thing about it is that now you can change, you get options. What what I always stress is when you do built-in, that means it stays. Um, when you list a house, if you if you show it shows it goes. Um, if it's installed, um, versus furniture is furniture. So, you know, it, it's really subjective to the person, the opinion. I mean, I've even had people say, oh, my God, we just spent, you know, $4,500 on a, on a wall bed. You know, the, I think the, they used to call Murphy's or whatever. That's one of the brands. But, um, and they spend all this money so that this front office can convert to um, a guest room. That's awesome. But what if the next person wants to turn that into a gaming room and they rip it out of there? And they, they want to put in high-tech speakers and, and surround sound. And, you know, so you got to be a little subjective to your audience. Like if you have a big enough of a house where you actually have a, a, a gaming room or you have a, a guest room, that's different. But when you're using a multi-purpose room, you have to be a little careful. Yeah. True. Kitchen appliances. It's kitchen. Kitchen super important. Um, again, for five thousand bucks, you're not going to be able to get much, but you could you could outfit a starter home. You know, probably at that five grand mark. Um, but you know, some of the upper bracket stuff, you can't even get a refrigerator for that anymore. And yeah. I would spend, I would spend my money more on, I mean, I like painting or cleaning, um, hardware, light fixtures. Yeah. Yeah. I, when you get to the, uh, you get to the store you start walking around and looking at all the different appliances that are out there and how you could spend $40,000 on a kitchen for appliances now without even blinking. I mean, you know, some of these some of these stove oven combos are fifteen thousand dollars. They're amazing. Don't get me wrong, but it comes back to you know if you're not going to use it, don't put it in your house because if you're just buying it for the show, um, people all the time will buy your house and go, yeah, it's a fancy whatever brand, whatever, and they don't see value in it, so they're not going to pay more for that house. And you know, depending on the market conditions, some people will buy your house because of a kitchen, and other people will just buy it because the kitchen's attached and they need one. And they, they, you know, use their phone to order food in. Like my brother, I always laugh because he's got this beautiful kitchen. And, and uh, he goes, yeah, you know, I keep water in the fridge and uh, plates. And I, I order most of my food in. He goes, it's cheaper for me to order food in than it is. You know, he's, he's over in the Kenwood area, uh, Lowry Hill kind of area. And uh, there's so many restaurants that will deliver a plate of food for 10 bucks, 15 bucks to his house. He's like. Yeah. Well, and he's, he's busy, too. I mean, yeah. and then buying all those groceries and letting them spoil. I mean, it's, it's, I think that's pretty smart. Yep. Shower or tub replacement? That can make a big impact for sure. Um, you know, just to brighten it up, make it look bigger, brighter, open, brighter is always good. Agreed. I think that, you know, you don't want to um, climb into something that's disgusting or gross. Um, that, you know, like I always used to say they, they put the three quarter bath down in the basement for dad. He'd come from home from working at the shop and there's grease everywhere and whatever and scrub. Nobody, nobody really paid attention to that shower. And now it's disgusting. Replace it. If you can't clean it because people just, they don't want to climb into a shower or a tub that's gross. I think that would really make a bigger impact if you were like, you're set up on, you had one bath, you know, um, and you had, you got to make that bath look really good because then people justify all right, well, we can take a, I mean, kids can take a uh, bath in there and 
I mean, it's easy to take a shower. It's bright and clean. We can share that until we put one in the basement. That's, that's probably the best investment you can make, though. If you're sitting there and you have a property that only has a main floor uh, bedroom and, or bathroom, excuse me, and there's only one to share, having even a half bath, three-quarter bath in the basement that you finish immediately makes that house 100% more attractive to, to buyers. Um, very, very, very few people ever search for a one-bathroom house. They usually search for three-bedroom, two-bath, two-car garage, or more, plus. And so getting that stacked on there will make your house ridiculously more attractive. It's funny you should say that because, um, you know, when we were doing searches for people, setting them up on searches for houses that were coming on the market, there was no criteria. It was just this price point is all it was. And now you're starting to see, well, I want at least three bedrooms and then two baths. And now we, we can start narrowing searches. But before, it don't matter what it is. I mean, if it's a house that's on the market, it's going to be a possibility. So, yeah, in the old days. Closet know. system. Oh, boy. I think, it, I mean, depending on some of uh, the, the bigger houses, I mean, uh, you you can do some things that are a lot more. I mean, that's a very expensive one, that picture. But um, you can do some things that uh, can make a, a small master closet look a little bigger. Uh, and that might be worth the impact in which to be able to do that. But uh, because sometimes you you can in, in, a, in a house that's, hey, it's $600,000 and you're looking at some of these new ones and they're like, gosh, it's almost another bedroom that closet is. And this thing is super small. You know, you, the, you're going to have to overcome that. And how you, you have to overcome your challenges with something that, oh, my gosh, but look at all the organizers. It's, it's really, we don't need as many clothes now. We can always store them down there, but look at how pretty this is. And we can put, you know, our socks in here. So I think that, uh, I think that could help for sure. Okay, last one, open floor plan. You know, I, I'll take that one. I guess it's subjective to opinion because, you know, everybody says it, but what do they mean by it? I think is that there's a, a plethora of versions of open. And, you know, like if it, now you, you have a studio style house and there's no walls, unless you live there by yourself, that gets to be a tough sale. On the other hand, if you have an old Rambler that has a little galley kitchen and you can open it up and all of a sudden now you can see out into the family room or into the dining area or something kind of fun, I think that concept of opening a plan up is cool. Um, you know, staircases, that's another way that a lot of people in the old days, um, they, they'd rip out the, the staircase in the middle of the house. My cousin actually just, he lives over in Osseo. He actually did a really cool job of taking it out of the middle of the house, put it over towards where the old front door used to be located and actually left it wide open because the ceiling would support that, extended his kitchen over top of that staircase and made this amazingly cool kitchen now, which is all in my head. I'm going, man, he read the right books because bigger kitchen, you know, get the staircase out of the way. Um, now, it, it, the only disadvantage he had was he said when he was bringing furniture into the basement, now it goes down and hits a corner and goes into the basement. So it's a little trickier to get big furniture down there. But other than that, it opened up his house. He got to put the kitchen in he's always wanted. So kind of cool. I've, I've done that with a few flips. It's just moving the staircase and, and repurposing re, uh, different spaces. And it makes such a big difference. It really does. So, you know, to start that project, though, guys, you know, one of the things, Chris, and you can appreciate this, I'm sure, is the a lot of times you have to bring in to start a project like that, bring in a structural engineer to climb up in the attic space and see if that can actually be supported the way you want to do it. Um, don't just do it. Don't just rip the wall out and hope it stays. Um, we've had customers in the past that were 
um, you know, doing that kind of activities, flippers, and where walls have actually cracked and a truss fell down six inches in the middle of a family room. So you do need the structural engineer stamp of approval. And, and they may say something as simple as, you know, go ahead and scab a two by six on each side of the trusses upstairs, put a, a screw every, you know, three inches on the stud at this caliber of gauge, and you'll be good. And all of a sudden you can do it. But in some cases, I'll say you can't. So make sure before you start the ripping out the sheetrock, yeah, get the pro in there that knows how to engineer properly. A lot of my suggestions weren't under 5,000. Uh, what comes to your head quick that's under 5,000 right now that will improve uh, home value? Paint, hardware, and deep cleaning. Yeah, light fixtures, um, hardware, um, painting, um, any kind of flooring you could update in any of the main rooms of the house. Um, driveway, having your driveway sealed for a couple hundred bucks. Um, pulling out the overgrown shrubs, putting a couple new shrubs in would be under five grand. Put the front door on there is usually pretty close to five grand by the time you pick a fancy one or, or more. Uh, my neighbor spent 11 grand on a front door. I couldn't believe it. But apparently that in the in the big fancy house front door uh, world is not that much. So. Beautiful. All right. We're going into uh, Rooney's rant about lifestyle. I don't necessarily, um, I, I don't think it's a rant to me, but lifestyle is a uh, is how obviously people live. Andy won't let me do this, this will get canceled too. But uh, some people want, uh, when I talk about luxury living or lifestyle, that becomes like um, where Andy is right now. He's on the water. That's a lifestyle, you know? But that's where my heart is. Yeah, where his heart is, there you go. But it's it's kind of like a, you know that's more of a conservation type lake. At least I'm going with it because I don't see any boats. But then some people might like more of a recreational type thing. Um, acreage acreage is, is is a lifestyle. It's how people you know want to live. And I think it's if you identify that when you're when you're selling a home, um, and really in any kind of home, you've got to make people know how they feel in that house. And you got to be able to portray that. So identifying who your buyer is um, and what they're looking for. I mean, someone who's looking for, you know, acreage, there might be a few people that are, they, I'm just looking for privacy. I don't want anyone around me, but you know what? I have a really nice car and I don't want to be on, uh, I don't want to be on a gravel road. Another one might have horses. I don't want to be on a tar road because my horses can't walk on there, you know, or contractors, you know, I want a huge pole barn. Other ones want, hey, I want just a neighborhood that's really good houses with small kids that my kids could play with. I lived in an um, acreage house that I was kind of away. I mean, I was close to town, but I was kind of away, and we had to drive our kids everywhere um, to be able to go play, or their kids had to get uh, drive over. We were in a neighborhood where people just rode their bikes or, or ran next door. And so to me, again, that's a lifestyle. And uh, marketing that and how you do that is uh, very important for a listing. Agreed. I think that, you know, that's like acreage or anything else, you know, you have that space and then you look at like, well, some person's buying acreage and looking at how many horses they can put on that property. Uh, I've got another client right now I'm working with that wants to build, you know, a place for his business where he could have his business on site. And then his kid likes to ride a dirt bike. So they want to do dirt bike jumps and they want to have trails and 
So, you know, everybody's use or lifestyle is, is different. And I think that, you know, when you go to market a property, having the ability to be creative and attract as many lifestyle, you know, um, as you can, opens up your audience and brings you as a seller more money. Thanks for taking me off the photo there, Nick. I did have to do a text. So that was good. Let's get back. You can always tell when Chris and I are texting because we do the old. <laughs> I said by real real estate agents. We should just mute ourselves and then do it a voice text. And no Everybody one hold help. on just a second so I can do this text. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, this segment did really well last week. It's game time. So I got three homes. You guys are going to analyze them. And at the end, you're going to say which one you would buy, which one you would rent, and which one you would dump. Not pick for each one. Each one. Okay. Okay. Right. So analyze it. At the end, we'll go through it, the results. So first one. Oh, baby. Timber Ridge in Burnsville. That's a pretty high price for Burnsville, but I think that's yeah. Lakeville Schools. So I think that would be a good one. Looks like a really nice lot. Uh, Three-car garage. Uh, looks like in fantastic shape. That's a big house, but little bedrooms. So it's, uh, you know, your target buyer might be a little different on that. But an acre lot in Burnsville and Timber Ridge, more than likely uh, Lakeville Schools. All right. I got mine. Go ahead. Andy, you got any comments on that one? I, I, you know, I think it looks like a nice house. Looks like it's a little dated. Um, I like the heavy overhangs, the craftsman kind of Frank Lloyd Wright look to the house. Has the right look for a high-end house. Um, pretty garage door dominant. But, you know, I mean, you know, for me, I look at the per square foot number. And like you said, Lakeville Schools, um, it, which obviously adds value. I know I sold a couple of properties down there where it's Burnsville Schools. And we struggle a little bit with um, people that had the kids. They there's not, and there's nothing wrong with Burnsville schools. It's just that people prefer one over the other. So they, they have an option. They prefer the other option. No. So no, no, wait, no. no, no. I meant after the three photos. So you, you're going to buy one, you're going to rent one and you're going to dump one. Not okay. we're going to end up. Picking, I know. Okay. Hey, Andy, I was going to ask you, why did you think that thing was dated? Just because of the colors. Okay. And the brick. We don't, we, I don't, I honestly don't put brick on any houses. I haven't put brick on a house in eight years. I looked, I mean, now before it had a little, I could see on the bottom, it was, it said it was built in 1988. And I thought that's what you were going to say. Well, look at the driveway. The driveway obviously has been cut and patched together. Oh, sure. You know, they should have power washed that, spent a little money on that driveway, spruce it up a little bit. I mean, I'll tell you what, when you try to get 899, there's lots and lots and lots of options out there. So when you're trying to get up in that price range, everything better be updated on the inside too. Perfect. Um, and I, I don't know Burnsville, but I do know it well enough to know that that's probably one of the most expensive houses for sale. Or an amazing location. Right. Yeah. See, this okay. is what I think is super neat, that you guys can dissect that much information from one photo and some details. I think it's pretty cool. Next one. There you go. Okay. Um, well, it looks uh, close to the to the river. Uh, looks like it opens up to a, a open area, newer house. Yeah. Look at that. Look at that little Google map on the bottom. It does. It must be over the river valley. That'd be it's pretty sweet. 
Yeah, this is like a plan that you do. You guys do, Andy, all the time. You deal with this this size and um, look. But yeah, that's a that's a that's. I think that's going to be a good house. It's got Andy. I think it's got your kind of feel too, where you got that yeah. really great room concept on the right hand side. More of a modified. Yep. I love modified two stories. I know they're kind of not the cool thing right now because they're a little more expensive. And but I, I've always loved modified. You get that the the feel of a rambler on one side of your house, and then you still get the two story on the other. Um, it's a great blend of interesting points in the house to look at. I, um, I look at that too, and I I, uh, I like the look of the front of that house. To me, that's a little more current with what we're seeing. Um, you know, it, it looks like it's uh, yeah, 2007. So yeah, it. And that maybe even had hail damage or something, and they redid the front of that house to even update it even more than 2007. But um, that looks nice. I like it. Yeah. That, I think it's easily the flip, too. You, you switch that brown tone, you could change that look pretty fast. Let's give the stats for the, the audio listeners. So $849,000, uh, six bed, four bath, 4,800 square feet, um, 2007 built, and it's in Chaska. Are you guys good on this photo? Yep. Yep. Next one. Say the stats first. Okay, we're in Stillwater. Looks like it's uh, on acreage, so it's on two and a half acres. It's got an extra little outbuilding, three-car garage, and a little garage outbuilding. Um, four bedroom, four bath, three thousand square feet for six twenty-nine. Built in ninety-four. Andrew. You might I, know uh, I'm a fan. First of all, two two and a half acre lot, so you got a big old piece of land to do whatever you wish. Talk about lifestyle. You see that big detached garage for all the hobbies um, out in the back. I love that. Um, the price per square foot obviously is higher. The other properties we looked at were 174 to 177 a square foot. And you look at this, you're paying a little more for the land. Um, and Stillwater is just a hot market right now as well. Um, so that house at 3,075, I'm guessing the basement's not finished. Um, it's probably just the upper level, uh, upper two levels. Um, but yeah, no, that, uh, that I love Stillwater. Yeah. I don't know that area as well. Yeah. Stillwater Lake Elmo. Um, it's a, uh, it's a hot market, man. You can't, I, I looked for eight months trying to find a lot for a buyer to buy that was under 175,000 mm -hmm. and it took us eight months to decide they didn't want to build. So Couldn't what would you say, I mean, kind of a joint area for us is kind of that whole, uh, Maple Grove Plymouth corridor kind of area. What would you say, um, how Stillwater compares to that area, price point? -wise? Probably similar, you know, because you to get acreage, you probably have to go out to uh, Corcoran, right outside of Maple Grove there, which is yeah. basically, you know, county, what is that, 30? Um, go straight out and you hit uh, whatever it is, 116 that goes north and south. So it's it's right there. Um, Mama G's, for those of you that are past Mama G's, is Corcoran. Um, a lot of people are reference, reference that, but... Anyway, yeah, if you get out into that part of town, you're probably close to those numbers. Um, what I would say is here, when you get into this price range, when when you get over, you know, 800000 and you're looking at, you know, now I look at like that that detached garage in the back. Does it have power? Does it have gas? Does it have, you know, um, is it is it finished? Is it epoxied? Um, you know, I look, I start looking at all of those things as well. And, and you look at that lot, the lot's worth probably two fifty. dollars you know, all day long, if, if not more. And it's well in septic, which adds another probably 40,000 on top of that. So you're almost at 300 grand of that house is just um, land. Plus now you take the house and you put 500 grand into a house and a lot. 
To me, it's a little overpriced. Um, it, it should have a seven in front of it, in my opinion. But I, you know, I've been proven wrong all of this year. Oh, you think it's underpriced? I think it's overpriced. It says what was it? Six twenty nine. You said yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was seven. I'm sorry. Yes. Then it's it's okay. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm I, sorry. My bad. I thought this was. I, I was thinking it, back to the other one. Like you have these all side by side, so we could. I don't know how to to do that, but yeah. Um. I thought it, my apologies. I thought I'm ready to decide what I, I would Okay, do. okay, so we're gonna do buying first. So Chris, which one are you buying? Number two. Why? Uh if you look at the location, it backs up to the river. It's all open area behind there. Uh it's it's newer. It's a it's a big house, six bedroom, four bath. It looks like it sits on a nice lot. And uh I would be uh and I think that's that's a good area. I just know that spot. I would be grabbing that one. Andy, what are you buying? Number three. Why? Because it's the acreage. Um, you, you're not going to find that in the future. You're, you're not going to have the, the luxury of having to buy, I, unless you go way out. And that's in a great spot. You can, you know, 10 minutes from any awesome restaurant or activity, um, or you keep your boat on the river um, up there in, in, uh, in uh, the St. Croix or Marina on St. Croix or wherever you choose. Um, there's a lot of fun, um, close you don't have to have the cabin. You can have a boat. You know what I mean? Chris, what are you renting? I'm renting number three for the same reasons Andy just said that I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bet on the future. Acreage is a, is a big thing. I'm going to hang on to that. I might use that outbuilding for my own stuff and then rent out the house. Uh, and then, uh, you know, and it's a great place for like meth production. If you have a good renter, <laughs> I had someone come into a property do that. Yeah. That wanted they all, all they did is they came in and went right down to the mechanical room and they looked at the the furnace and they looked at the uh, electrical box and they said we'll take it and i said do you want to see the upstairs kitchen that i just remodeled you know and i'm like okay this is weird but nothing showed up talked to a friend of mine who was a cop this guy was going in for meth production you, you, my house was going to be a meth place they like acreage properties that are private just so you know people Andy, what are you renting? <laughs> you know, I don't know the markets that well down south, but um, I, I it's hard for me because I actually really like that Chaska house as well. I just, you know, I'm not as familiar with the area. Um, I would probably rent because assuming that I'm rent, if I had to dump one, um, I'd probably do number uh, two for the for the hold it for a rent. Because um, I like the like Chris said, I'd I'd, I'd want to rent it because I don't know the area as well. I'd want to rent it so I could feel the area out a little bit. Um, I, I'd, I'd like the executive feel. I like that it's almost 5,000 square feet. Um, you know? You know what I think they did too there, Andy? If you Close saw to Valley the, Fair. If we saw that price drop of 50,000, you know, they screwed up. They priced it too high. They should have priced it at that 850 right away. They probably would have got more. Now that price is going to tumble. And, well, it's already uh, been on the market 33 days. Did you see yeah. that? I think that's a value. Yeah, I, th I think it's a value right now because I think you're going to get a better deal. So, yep. So you guys are both dumping the Burnsville property. Why is that? I I just think it's uh, Andy kind of hit on it for a guy who doesn't know uh, the, the supposed market down there. I think he hit it right on the nose about um, where that value is in that area. That's it's a high, it's a high price in which to be able to pay for it. Ditto. Awesome. I, I would also dump that one. Fun, fun. 
That was a I good mean, unless, unless you like literally knew something that nobody else knows, like, you know, I, I, and I don't know what that would be. Maybe it's on a lake. Maybe it's on, you know, something. I don't know. I, I just, there are pockets in that area because I know there's a, I think it's Crystal Lake or whatever it is, isn't it, Chris? Where's, yeah, there's Burnsville? Yeah, Crystal Lake Marion. Or yeah, because there was, I, I gave a bid to a guy. We were going to be at about a million six on this big two story. And he already paid 500000 to level the house that was on that lake. But lakefront is such a different buyer than non-lakefront. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So I got a question. I mean, all that information and decision making you guys just made with one photo and those numbers. I mean, what percentage of your final decision after you would go through the home and everything comes from just that the, that photo and those numbers? Like, if you pretty much made up your mind on those homes, what could change your mind? I think it's interesting uh, to say that because I think you have to also add into, you know, Andy favored something he was more familiar with in Stillwater, and I favored something I was more familiar with in Chaska. And so I think it was I, I think it was more of a comfort level that we knew if it was good or not. And um, but I I think a lot of things, Nick, and I'm telling you that's why I tell clients all the time. Everyone's first impression is online. You can you can win them or lose them online, and you better do it right, and you better. Um, exactly what Andy's doing. I mean, that's what we do every day. What we were both doing is we were, um, you know, making our, our decisions before we even got out there. And sometimes those decisions don't even allow us to go out there and even look at it. Yeah. You know, and I, I don't mean to be to the bobbing head, but it's right. I mean, you, when you take a look at a property and, and if, if you, uh, I had one the other day where we were doing it for an estate where, um, it wasn't an easy, Hey, there's three of them across the road that just sold. So this is what it's worth plus 6% for the appreciation for the last year. We're at this number. That's where Zillow can come in and do a great job because it's there's commodity style selling. And that's what they're trying to do with these all these algorithms, machine learning that they're out there. They're trying to get houses to where they can become a commodity so they can show a value. I don't put a lot of merit on a custom house on those websites or the view or the backyard or the school district or the whatever because they can't put that into their their uh, formula or their algorithm or whatever you want to call it to make that adjustment. So when it comes right down to um, you know valuing a house, sometimes you have to take the value of the land, the cost of rebuilding it. It's called a rebuilding. It's uh, some appraisals will do it this way. Um, and if you can't go you know out more than a mile or you can't go back more than two years, because sometimes they'll let you go back two years on an appraisal, but usually not much more than that. Um, you get to a point of where you start. You, you have to be so specific and in my brain and Chris's brain works that way where when I go to a property, I'm trying to appraise it as I'm walking through it. You're busy introducing me, your dog's jumping up on me with its muddy paws and I'm being nice to your dog and we're you know looking at all the soccer pictures on the wall. The whole time I'm there, I'm calculating, what are we looking at? What is it worth? How does it add value to the property? How do we get more for this? How do I promote this item? How do I you know help that person get the maximum return on that property? I almost wish I could go to properties without the homeowner there. Yeah, me too. You know? I'll tell you another that a thing that I do, and I, I think sometimes sellers are like, what, really? Is that I never go, after the first meeting, I never go back to the property until I see the photos. Because I, that's everyone's first impression. I want to be able to see that from their eyes and then go to the house and say, okay, yeah, that feels like or it doesn't feel like it. But it helps me better um, with listing it and coming up with a price because in a lot of times I end up going higher. Uh, because the photos look fantastic. And I'm like, God, I'll tell you what, I think we can get this. And um, it's it's kind of a 
pictures, pictures, and what's online is a big thing. We've got our term of the day: title search. Title search. Wow. Well, that's the one thing I think is the most confusing thing for a lot of people um, that's out there is uh, the title uh, part of uh, you know of purchasing, and that's after you purchased, and you, you have to do uh, you do a title search. And what the title search is is making sure that uh, the new buyer is going to have free and clear title which to pay, uh, so they they don't have to. Um, worry about when they sell it that you, you know, you put on a four season porch and never paid for it. Um, you were divorced, but you never got uh, your husband to sign off on it. Um, you know, uh, you've got three mortgages on it that are recorded against it. They got to make sure all that stuff's paid off. So that's what a, that's what a title search is to me. We, yeah. And I'll tell you what, the, where we run into problems are when people do their own um, divorce kits and um well i agreed to take the house my wife agreed to do this i agreed to that now we're separated and we're done and all of a sudden you go back and you look and they never transferred their name off the deed and they never you know refinanced the property so they're still alone in both of their names there's so many challenges or or you know back in the in the housing crisis there was like even a lot of real estate agents, mortgage people that struggled and they would have judgments or liens or whatever and they would put it against properties and just because you know you forget about them as a homeowner doesn't mean that those you know encumbrances or liens or judgments go away. They sit on that title and they clout the title. So think of it as being a dirty title. So a title search goes in there and looks at all the possibilities. They go through and make sure all the T's are crossed, the I's are dotted, and then they deliver to you what they call a, a warranty or a warranty deed or a clean and clear title. And then what happens is the buyers a lot of times will be offered what they call title insurance. So that beyond what they've searched, for example, if somebody was fraudulent on, on their activities, the, the title company won't cover that. that. That's something that they can't control. Or somebody just leaned the property and the seller forgot to tell you that they had somebody do $100,000 worth of work on the house and now they're coming after the money that they never got paid. So title insurance, um, I've had people sit at closing and say, well, nobody's worked on this house and there's been no activity on this house in 20 years. What if they got divorced 21 years ago? And it, it doesn't mean that the paperwork dissolves and goes away. They have to go back. I mean, it, anyway. So it, it is a, uh, a real interesting process. It's all designed to protect us. But title search and a good title company, in my opinion, uh, makes their, their – they're worth their weight in gold when they do their job. What do you guys got coming up? What does Andy have coming up? Because Chris is muted. <laughs> we'll get him back uh, in here. No, we got a lot of things going on. I'm super excited, guys. If you've been thinking about new construction, here's the good news. New construction prices are back to almost January for values. So you can write a new house, your $30,000, $40,000 backwards again. Um, the properties are, are fantastically priced again. The new stuff coming um, to place orders going forward. Interest rates are still low. So it's back to what it was a year ago, almost, almost, we're almost there. And so if you thought about building new, all this lumber's price high, it's crazy, put it to the side and, and get out there and, and design your house and bid it out, get it built. I think that's a big thing that's happened, that, that happened. Are, did builders um, already uh, change their pricing then, Andy, or not? We, I've got a couple of my guys that immediately on the spot have changed their pricing of anything that hasn't been delivered. But the same week now, we just got notices from our HVAC guys again. They just crept up a little bit. Plumbers just crept up a little bit again. So they're all thinking that this market's going to keep going like this. 
what what's happened is I've watched the market in the last two months on new construction with new orders, ice over. I mean, ice over, not even slow down, stop. People just are like, they're convinced that it's overpriced. They've stopped writing orders for new houses. They're buying inventory. So the Lenars, the Pultis, the, the big boys that are out there producing the Wall Street builders, as I call them, that are producing the houses in, in production, those inventory homes are still coming and, and selling. But it's the people placing new orders has almost ceased. So if you're an electrician or a plumber um, or any of those guys that just put across raises, uh, I, I would second think that because right now you're going to be really slow come January, February, and March of next year. Not a threat. Promise. <laughs> and you will lower your prices or we're shopping. I'm kidding. Kind of. No, seriously, lower your prices. Awesome. I'm over it. Nick, what do you got coming up, Chris? I, I have exactly what Andy has coming up. I agree with him. But I got a couple, I got a couple real nice listings coming on. We're getting we're getting really uh fortunate. Here's one. Anyways, um, but uh it's uh it's it's been good. I mean, and everyone's uh been doing everything that you're asking them to do and uh getting them on and and it's paying off for them. So uh kind of fun. Just kind of keep working. I'm going I'm 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 on my uh Andy run uh of what was it two years ago almost that I'm going to be officially an empty nester. One kid hiding out in Italy, and then the other one going to be in Arizona. So um, we'll see what happens. Just promise us you're going to eat clothes on at least half the time, buddy. Nope. No problem. You'll be walking around buck naked. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! That probably won't happen. That probably won't happen. This is my dojo room. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what you I got coming dojo up. Dojo room? I'm making my my way to uh, the the Mediterranean islands and hopefully go down the coast of Spain. So, I hope you guys get more cool photos like uh, the one I showed you. This one, oh man, with the vino, the backdrop. So, Andy, it's time for us to show some photos. You got to show them you laying out on that uh, that floaty out on Lake Ida. Yeah, no kidding. I uh, I you you know how to find me on Facebook and Instagram if you want to. I'm not too hard. I literally go under the the alias Andy Prasky. Um, so you get really good photos of them. My wife and my daughter are, are well, my daughter, Hannah, man, she's amazing at photography. She does a lot of like graduation pictures. She did Morgan's. Um, she did Morgan's. Yeah, she did Morgan's. Yeah, they turned out beautiful. Yeah. Um, she's been doing a lot of that here. So she's between volleyball where she's coaching camps and then now doing all these photos for these kids for senior pictures. And, uh, and then she did a couple weddings. Um, so she's, yeah, she's really, and she's training to be a nurse. And I'm like, Everybody loves a good photographer. You know what I mean? I go, nursing's cool and, and very, you know, I don't know, cool, but. You got to yeah. get her to do a video too. Then we'll, I'll hire as well. We'll both, I, do, both Absolutely. I just, I see the money. You know, when the photographer pulls up in a $140,000 car and, uh, and I'm driving a pickup truck, I go, somebody's got this right. <laughs> and it's not me. But you got to be able to edit. Because you got to everything. Good. Just say it. For all the listeners, if you have any questions, make sure to send them in to our Facebook. We have our email there too. If not, watch it live on Facebook. You can comment a question. We can show it on screen. Uh, we're streaming on Spotify, iTunes. Click our anchor page, a ton of different platforms. You can always re-watch the live streams on our Facebook. That's where we stream every Thursday. And yeah, you have some fi something final to say, Chris? I don't. 
I no, said, I, you know, I would just say that, you know, agents that are out there, we're so agent friendly um, as a real estate agent, even if you're new to the business, tune in, listen in. Um, we're your, your free big brother. Um, listen in every week, share our podcast, share our, uh, our Facebook stuff if you want. Um, we're that secret that, you know, and then put the questions in there. We'll, you don't have, we don't have to read your name over the, uh, over the interwebs. You can also send us uh, messages on Facebook and we can get those questions, answers, or topics you want to cover. Um, let's just hammer through some of those good topics. I'd love to see some comments from the listeners too on the love letter segment. If you've gotten them, if you've been in a position, if you've written them or if you received them, if they were good, bad, or ugly or indifferent. Yeah, or if you made a biased decision based on one, Chris Rooney. That's true too. Throw that out there. Awesome. I always tell the people that wear jerseys. Totally. I always do it. If they say really nice things about the agent, then I, I say you got to buy from them. They're the ones. What did you guys think about the Bucks last night? I, I Quite an interesting Giannis. finale, huh? The Giannis. Greek Freak. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. something else. Okay. Love it. Amazing. I, yeah, I congratulations, wanted, Bucks. I, Phoenix, I mean, that from not even making the playoffs to, you know, going to the finals is pretty impressive. And they're, they're going to be pretty uh, fun to watch here. Yeah, they uh, – I didn't watch NBA, NBA one – not once. I didn't watch NBA at all until the, the playoffs. And yeah. uh, I watched a couple of the games. So. Yeah. Yeah, my, uh, my good buddy Mike, his kid, uh, John, played for the Bucks years ago and for years. And it would have been fun for Lure? a boy to be part of that. Lure? John Lures? Yeah. Who, who yeah. was like six foot at as a junior and then grew to 6'10". Well, so, so I'm up. I'll, I'll give you a quick little <laughs> short story. I'm at the State Fair and I'm walking around. And all of a sudden, I have these three huge guys come and go, dude, you have our money? And I go, oh, my God. And here's John and his two other professional uh, basketball player buddies. And his dad, Mike's over there in the food building going, laughing at me as I literally have urine running down my leg. I'm like, oh, my God. These guys were like eight feet tall. I think I'm tall. These guys were monsters. It, I, I guess. You don't know how big those people are until you get in, in person. <laughs> Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.